Today's guest is pretty special. His name is Mark Hesley. He's a cancer survivor, father, and uh, my original high school pole vault coach. And we had a, a, a pretty spectacular conversation where I felt comfortable enough to ask him some of these taboo topics like, how was life different before and after cancer? Was your depression prior to having cancer similar or different than the the depression you experienced while you had cancer? Because um, it's just been a really cool relationship. One of my absolute, I treasure this relationship that we met through pole vaulting. I was a high school kid and over 20 years we became close friends where later in life we got to open up about our struggles with depression and man I thought we were gonna lose him <laughs> a while ago and he 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 beat it he beat cancer and we had a great conversation about it so um, without spoiling it uh, I am pleased to introduce to you one of my favorite people ever Mark Hesley Confucius said we have two lives and the second begins when we realize that we only have one. We're all given one whole life. And when we find and break the barriers that are preventing us from living fully, we have an audacious attempt to improve mental health. One Whole Life with Sean Francis. Coach Hesley, I, I was wondering if we could just like kind of go back in time and talk about uh how we met through pole vaulting if you don't mind yeah uh i uh was coaching at park high school and uh you know things are going good there and everything i i uh, taught right next to park high school and i remember uh meeting uh, greg sandcamp and jeff hansen and uh they go man uh we got this sean francis guy and we've got some other girl vaulters, and would you be interesting in coming to Hastings? Well, to back up, uh, Sean, uh, I can't remember her name. I helped out a girl vaulter for Hastings. Christy. Christy. I forget her last name, though. But Yeah. She she kind of taught me how to plant the pole. That's how I remember it. And, and I so I, I kind of did volunteer work. I told Greg, I said, I don't want to get paid. I want to help Hastings. And I said, I'll do that on the site as well as coach for Park High School. And uh, then they needed a pole vault coach because, uh, you know, they had that one River Falls coach that would come over and help you. Uh, so you I have that so in be, your... Before that, actually, I didn't even have that River Falls coach come over. We I had uh, the senior who graduated the year before was the guy who taught us how to pole vault. So I was essentially being coached my freshman year by a guy by a high school kid oh yeah okay that's yeah i didn't know if somebody came from river falls that was helping you no, or was no, uh I, I don't i don't think that happened at all i don't okay. remember that and then i did a don hood camp that summer and that's that was right. the, the extent of my coaching yeah so then when you came over um like the guy the guy really was just like he said to run fast you know and try and get over the bar like that was that was the coaching we were getting to yeah. and i don't know how i didn't leave because i was that's not how i operate but when you came my, my sophomore year with a binder and like pictures of pole vaulters and the sequences and I and I've never seen that before. And that was be like before the YouTube or internet yeah. or any of that stuff. Yeah. So it was like, 
there's what how, yeah this is what it's supposed to look like and you talked about the reverse c and yep. you know how high your plant should be and i still have those things actually you know what's funny is uh, i remember putting uh the sequence of the vault from start to finish and i put it on the bleachers and had you guys with your long pole look at that and go through the phases <laughs> yeah, yeah. and stuff and I, I just i guess i just tried to be you know as creative as i could and i was learning as much as anybody else uh so greg sandcamp jeff hansen asked me and they go we we have this vulture that's going to be phenomenal would you be interested well you know i was vaulting or coaching probably at park for maybe three or four years i think it was there five years and I said, yeah, let's let's go for it and stuff. So that's kind of how things uh, worked out. You know, I got the position at Hastings High School and, uh, you know, met you, our Brady Zion, uh, Alana Deutschman, Hannah Schuler, and I know there's other ones. I'm just, the names are, oh, yeah, you've, you know. Yeah, you've impacted a lot of kids in your life. Uh, yeah, that first group was pretty special. And, uh, yeah, I just uh, started there, and that's, you know, stayed there for 10 years. So. Yeah. Well, you yeah. planted that seed in me, and that's why I, I think about this a lot because, like, I'm staring around my room where we've kind of gone around the house and we saw, like, the old helmet I used to, like, pull vault in, yeah. in high school and all through college, and it was like, yeah. man, if, if – I don't know what you did, but somehow you planted, like, this enjoyment and seed of pole vault in me that – from 2001 i think that was the first year we worked together yeah. it's 20 years now that's yeah. insane to say i uh i wanted to it. make it fun you know and and i my coaching philosophy was you know probably could have had you guys do more work and and more uh you know different things but i tried to be creative on the drills so at least like when you did i was like oh what are we doing the stupid drill again <laughs> yeah. you know and yeah. i so i i i was just i mean i'd stay up and i you know go on the computer and just look up things and uh i remember a meet it was at albert lee it was an invitational and i met your dad for the first time i was so scared of him <laughs> i saw him and he didn't, didn't smile and he goes are you my son's pole vault coach i go yes sir i said who are you he said i'm mr francis <laughs> i was i was just like okay what did i do wrong what what's going on here and uh you know your dad was you know he's got that serious kind of yeah it doesn't smile look and stuff like that and i mean we got i mean your dad and i are great friends and stuff so yeah i uh i just remember you know hastings high school we had a lot of altars that came out um you know i'm sure you guys had an impact on telling people about the sport and stuff but we had a it was a fun ride. Yeah, I mean, you definitely made it fun. I think of like the drills I do at my camps and stuff now, but I, I definitely remember back then because you had all the devices. You yeah, know, and yeah. they were fun. Like the, the my favorite one that you had was that bungee one. I, I wish I remember what it was called. I see it all the time. But you would jump on it and it would bend on the way down. You'd hang it on oh, like a, yeah. a football like a like the elastic band yeah yeah and i look forward to that all the time and then right next to it it was the one where you tied your ankles into it and lifted yourself upside down to get inverted and i just i remember only like two of us could actually do it and then 
I, I'm not. I'm trying not to pick on the girls, but they were just screaming. I can't pull all the way through. How do I get all the way through? How do you do that? Well, <laughs> I think I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I think I remember a couple times, like that one device. Uh, you, you hooked, you know, that Velcro around the ankles, and sometimes it fell off. So they're <laughs> yeah. they're falling down. You know, oh, this is Hesley's uh, torture chamber devices. You know. Oh man. And uh, yeah, I know. It, I remember saying that inside joke at our. Um, yeah, just make sure your face is right. Okay. Almost like you're eating it. You need yeah. it a little higher. Okay. That for you. you Thank go. you. Yeah, I got your back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, I remember at our, our alumni banquet. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, Hesley would hang us on these torture chambers. And I remember saying it in front of everybody. And it was coming from this place of like, we all know what he's talking yeah, about yeah. but i remember the parents going what torture chambers is, is he doing to our kids over there <laughs> and it was like my first my first uh like lesson in public speaking to make sure you're <laughs> you know i remember i remember saying. those banquets too and we had a talk and my first one for hastings i go i stood up there and i go well this is a sport you can get high high at but you're not going to get in trouble and i had parents just like what yeah. What is he talking about? I mean, you know, of course, the height yeah. get high. So I don't know how good that was, but I've seen it on a lot of shirts over the years. You yeah. need a good plant to get high. Yes. Right? Yeah. 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 So I don't yeah. know how they get away with that one, but <laughs> every high school has it for some reason. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it's just, I keep, every time I look at that toolbox book, it's like, man, Hesley planted that seed so well that, that we're here. And well, you know, Sean, you, you know, like I've told you before, you did so much for me. I mean, you know, I, I had you and you wanted, you are just, you're like a sponge. You just soaked everything in. Maybe I, you know, didn't teach the plant the right way or maybe the left elbow. I was telling, you know, collapse. I'm sure I made some mistakes, but I mean, my gosh, to have an athlete like you to go through all that and to listen and follow directions and just see your success, you know, because it's not, you know, you're going to get some people that get it, some people don't get it. Pull and hard, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I would go home and I'd tell my wife, Kathy, I'd say, Sean just, you know, he PR by another foot or Brady did this or it was just like, it was just like, it was like a magical time for me as a coach. Yeah. You know, and then, uh, I remember I called uh, Eric Perkins for Care 11 oh, yeah, and stuff, and I said, uh, uh, you know, do you want to, you know, I got the best vault in the state of Minnesota because you did, this is after you did 15. Yeah. At the, You had to wait till what was it, almost midnight to vault? <laughs> it was yeah. about 8 o'clock, You're remember right. that? Yeah. Because everybody yeah. else was done. And then he came over, talked to Randy Shaver, Care 11, and he came over and... Uh, yeah, I mean it was just it was magical for me. And if you would only want went like eleven feet, great. I mean you're just an. I guess the way I put it to my athletes, I said, I've got this Sean Francis that, you know, some kids don't like to listen. I'd always say, Can you hear me? They go, Yeah, coach, but are you listening to me? Right. You know? And you would just, yeah, you'd soak everything in. Well, it's, it's like you said, I was hungry, but you were yeah. providing the, the food. You yeah. Know, which and, and I've coached too, like you've, you've, put, you've instilled that in me to, yeah. to coach. And it, it really felt like just a perfect team, like a good match. It was where, a good match. Where um, 
like you were providing energy and I was taking it and giving it back to you. And then we'd kind of keep climbing to this new thing. And I think just us working together made us not just better, uh, coaches and athletes, but people, I think, you know, and well, I, like I said, Sean, I learned so much from you and just, uh, you know, the issues that you have gone through and stuff and the issues that I have gone through and, uh, it was meant to be. I don't care what other people say. It was meant to. It was in the stars, as yeah, they the, say. The universe was watching yes, our backs. So yes. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, I mean, that was pretty powerful too because um, we we just stayed friends. Where yes. you know because yep. we had that connection and um, it's just interesting because I think back and I don't know what my parents were telling like the coaches about all the depression issues mm-hmm. I, I was having going on at the time. But as we got older, then you opened up to me about, you know, some of yours too, yeah. which was like a whole different level when you're yeah. like, I respect this coach, I respect this person, this yeah. friendship that we have. And now he, he, we can connect on this, not, not a feel good level, but like we can still connect and grow out of, oh, I, I understand what this person's going through too, yeah. which was pretty. Yeah. Pretty I think nuts. about that, you know, coaching you and, uh, it was like, okay, I had depression I was diagnosed with severe depression. If there is severe depression, I was on medication. I was still coaching. And I really didn't know what was going on until later years. Kind of found, you know, your dad kind of, you know, told me about your situation and stuff like that. And I was like, wow, it's just like a flashbulb. Just, it's like, what? Oh, he didn't tell you while I was in, in school? I think he probably told me maybe your junior year okay. or senior year. I can't remember, Sean. Yeah. But I know that I, I didn't know like your your sophomore year. I had no idea huh. what you're going through. So, yeah, and you know when he told me that, and I thought about my situation. It's like, well, here we are together as coach and Walter. Now yeah. we have kind of the same issue with you know I don't know if we could say mental illness or yeah you know it's like it was like. Oh, this just brings up another avenue. And I, like I told you, it was very hard for me to open up to people. I did not. If I told somebody I was on antidepressant medicine, I just wanted to go in a cave and hide. <laughs> yeah, you know? I was the same way. Yeah. I did not want, oh, you got uh, some problems, you know, mental uh, health. Well, yeah, I do. And I didn't really know what to do. Well, it's different than it was you know? 20 years ago yeah. now where, like, we're literally having a conversation about it that's going to be all over the world if people want to listen to this and yes. people are going to go yeah you know yeah. I, I go through that too but at the yeah. time it felt like I, I always got the message like you're weak you know mm-hmm. you can control your own thoughts you know yeah. you're you're what's wrong with you are you mm-hmm. mentally unstable i don't want to be around this person yeah. what's wrong with his head and you know even though i've been in therapy and i understand that that's wasn't how it was it was like really hard for me to you know i can't control how, what other people think about me mm-hmm. but you know, you kind of, it felt like you almost could if you just didn't bring it up. <laughs> you know, like, I'm going to, I'm just not going to share this part of you so you don't treat me any different yeah. at that point. Mm-hmm. And yeah, by you, you know, opening up about that, it was like, oh, there's another person. Yeah. You know, and I felt relief instead of. You know, I know. It's, fear. Uh, it's just amazing. I mean, it's, uh, you've helped me. I'm sure I've helped you and just kind of, 
the togetherness we have. You know, now we're, like you said, here at this stage and talking about pole vaulting as well as mental illness. So, yeah. It's kind of wild. It is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to stay on pole vault just for a little bit Go longer, ahead. if that's yep. all right. Oh, yes. Um, one thing that, that I, I've been thinking about a lot, too, is I – because I just talked to a, a kid yesterday, um, a freshman, and one of his big things was he has trouble making friends. Like he doesn't okay. know how to talk to people. Yeah. And like I, I distinctly remember feeling that same way. But mm-hmm. because of like sports, and it, it created this space where I could connect with other people, yeah. and I could find this. And you created, and you helped create that space too. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think back to. It started with swimming, you know, where I had a guy, I forgot how he even started swimming. Oh man, I don't know if I told you. Some guy goes, I think it was a counselor, or maybe it was uh, my karate instructor, but goes, you're a snowboarder, right? Like snowboarding, you should try this yeah. diving thing. It's gonna help with all your spins and the half pipe okay, and things yeah. like that. And he was like, only kickers, you gotta wear a Speedo. And I was like, <laughs> ah, I don't know about this, but somehow he talked me into it and I decided to rock the Speedo because it was kind of <laughs> it's kind of punk rock at the time, you know, like I'll wear a Speedo. It's, it's kind of anti, you know, what you're supposed to do. And, uh, and then that led to meeting a guy on the track team you know that the captain of the track team andy memelink and he pushed me into trying pole vault because he was nice. like yeah he, he, he was just like you, you like the jumps and spins and being high in the air yeah. pole vault's your sport you should try that and at the time you know minnesota's full of snow so i had to suck it up and do hurdles for three weeks until we can actually try it but that's what got me into it but it was I, I'm, I'm only bringing it up because this sports place you know some people just see these groups or sports as maybe just it's just a silly thing you do but for me it was life-changing because Mm -hmm. it allowed me to have these relationships with not just you but other kids and then it helped me um build these you know communication skills you know Mm -hmm. with people and and every group i think of in my life right now most of them started with sports in some way and then it's allowed me to have these conversations now with like mental health experts where i don't feel sure like it's such an outsider yeah was it the same for you when you were in yeah. high school or college or you anything? know uh <clears throat> i was always kind of an introvert introvert in high school you know i was kind of afraid of my own shadow yeah uh but uh yeah i mean sports my gosh when you got on a team and maybe you showed a little bit of success and you got a pat on the shoulder from a player, a coach. I mean, that that meant so much, you know. And then, you know, my parents really supported me. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was, yeah, that's, that, I mean, I feel to this day and I tell my grandkids, uh, go out for an activity, do something. You might not be the best, but you'll be together with somebody. You'll be able to share your successes and your failures with another person, you'll have that bonding maybe the rest of your life. I mean, how many years have we known one another? <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, there's that bond. 20. There's that closeness. There's that. T- I mean, I if I had like a problem, and I think I've done this to you before, I uh, would text you and say, Sean, you know, let's let's talk. You're yeah. right there for me. Yeah. I mean, look at that. If we wouldn't have met, it's. You know, probably go and talk to somebody else, but there's that bond and connection that we'll never lose. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it's it's very important. I feel sports. Yeah. So so great for kids. So so from pole vault, 
in 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 with what we're doing about mental health um a couple of years ago you were diagnosed with cancer or you had yes two cancer, years ago two years yep. ago two years Can ago you kind of kind of talk about like how, what what that was what happened and what you went through yeah it was uh it was my 40th high school class reunion my wife and i are down in winona and uh i remember waking up and i was i was soaked from head to toe and it's called night sweats terrible headaches uh just not feeling myself so i kind of said to her i said you know i'm not really feeling too good and i kind of looked at myself in the mirror and i said man you don't look good (laughs) so i went to my uh high school class reunion and i was coughing all the time i mean i started talking to somebody i couldn't the cough wouldn't stop you know i had to kind of excuse myself or get some water and uh yeah, then uh, I went in, I got checked. They did a uh, biopsy on me and uh, sent that to the University of Minnesota. And uh, I got a call. We had our grandkids over. I'm playing in the backyard, running around. And uh, Adam was there, my oldest son and daughter-in-law, uh, uh, Blair. And I got the phone, and she goes, you know, this is Dr. So-and-so. And she goes, are you sitting down? I go, do I need to sit down? <laughs> you know, she goes, if you want to. And she goes, you have something called T-cell lymphoma, and it's a rare aggressive cancer. I just remember those words. You have T-cell lymphoma, rare aggressive cancer. And I I just about collapsed. I just got a sick feeling. It's like somebody socked me in the stomach. Yeah. I was like, now what do I do? So I said, I started tearing up, and I said, you got to talk to my wife. So I went, and I kind of, I don't like to cry in front of people, but I, yeah. I do. Uh, and Kathy got the phone, and I'll come, and I heard this crying and stuff. So that's how it all started uh, with my cancer. Do you want me to kind of go into, well, like... Can, can I just ask yeah, a question? Go, yeah. So what, what were, like, the thoughts going through your head when you got the message, or what... What was well, you know, like when you hear the C word cancer, right away you think, Well, how much longer do I have to live? You know, your mind is just like, Oh, is this the end? Is this the end of of everything? And I thought, Okay. And when I got the diagnosis, it was like I kind of like flashed and saw my wife and my kids and my grandkids, and like, Where where do I go for now? Who do I talk to? What do I do? You know, and uh, that it, it's just a shock. Yeah, it's just a big shock, and uh, I don't think I handled it very well. I think my mind just went into overload. Like, you've got cancer. You've got cancer. Nothing's gonna get cured. You know, kind of like that. And I was just like, all right, stop this. Get your mind. Uh, in the right place and your thoughts. So when did you say stop this? Like, was there, was it moments or hours or days or weeks? Yeah. So like the next day, you know, I woke up, oh, I've got cancer, you know, and I didn't feel sorry for myself. Uh, I just said, okay, we got to figure out what to do. I got to do something. Where do we go? And my wife, I mean, she, uh, you've met her. She's like an angel. Yeah, I mean, she's she really done. Is everything for me i can't thank her enough 
She said, okay, we're going to research where's the closest cancer center. Hastings, and she goes, we're going to the Mayo Clinic. So that was my first thing. So I went and I saw somebody at the Hastings Clinic and kind of evolved from there with uh, chemo. And then I saw my cancer doctor at the Mayo Clinic. So that's how things kind of got started. So, Jeez. Yeah. That's wild. Uh, so, so for for treatment wise, when so by the time you got the diagnosis, and then how how much time was it before you saw the the specialist? <clears throat> so my my uh, wife and I saw the lady that's kind of in charge of telling people what the whole process was going to be. So we did that at Hastings, and just a phenomenal uh, lady. Wish I could remember her name. Uh, she just kind of went through the whole thing. And then I saw the doctor, and he kind of told me, he said, we're going to work together here and then with Mayo Clinic. We're going to be on the same page uh, with your you know, chemotherapy. And that was kind of the first thing, like, okay, what do I, what chemotherapy? I've heard it before. What does that entail? Well, they had to put this port in my upper chest. Because I'm so afraid of needles. I would pass. So if I saw a needle right now, you had a needle, Sean, you'd be picking me oh, up I off wish the I floor. I a needle. <laughs> <laughs> I am so, I'm so afraid of needles. So I got that put in. I had to go through tests up the yin-yang. I mean, it was blood tests. It was mental tests. It was EKGs. It was MRIs. I mean, I've been poked and prodded so much. It's, I am like a pincushion. Yeah. You know? So I got on chemotherapy, and that lasted uh, for about six months. And then I went to see my cancer doctor. So you did in six Mayo. months of chemo in Hastings? <coughs> yes. Okay, got it. And when I went to Mayo, they go, okay, let's stay on this program. You're getting chemo there. You saw me, uh, you know, I met with a cancer doctor. Uh, Let's let's stay on that page, okay? You want me to keep going there? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, anyways, I got done with my six months of chemo, went and got something called a PET scan. And you know, somebody told me a PET scan. I said I have to do with animals, and they go, "No, bummer." So, <laughs> yeah, I wish I could have a dog petting me. <laughs> yeah. You lay you lay like in an MRI tube. They put you all the way in. They put this radioactive uh, uh, dye in you. And it lights up everything with cancer. So uh, after six months, I went in there, and my cancer doctor's intern, he goes, he was oriented, he goes, you're in remission, you're in remission, you're in remission. I go, what? I was clear, because if cancer shows up, it's white. Okay. Okay? And my cancer doctor came in, and we were just all cheering and ecstatic and stuff like that. So... Uh, so this was six months after yeah, initially being after, initially after, being told. Yeah, and I thought, oh man, the chemo's worked. This is going to be good. You know, I'm not going to have any problems. Well, anyways, probably about two months down the road, uh, I got this pain in my stomach, and I'm very good with tolerating with pain. And I went to the clinic in Hastings. They go, they did all the tests and everything. They go, you need to go to Mayo Clinic. So I went there, had another PET scan, and my whole spleen was white. Oh, so man. I was loaded with cancer in my spleen. Where was the cancer originally? 
The cancer originally was uh, on my lymph nodes, Sean, okay. right here, on my neck, and then it kind of went down in the front of my chest. Like, was and it in your lung or never? Never got no. to the okay. lungs. It just kind of was was uh, it was kind of like a straight line from your one side of your neck down to your chest. And now they found it in your spleen. And then that was not. I didn't have any cancer on my neck lymph node area. It was the whole spleen was just loaded. Well, my cancer doctor said this. We got to do something. So, uh, am I still going here with cancer? Yeah, no, the story's not done. Okay. (laughs) So anyways, uh, I started feeling, you know, I'm, I'm diabetic too. So my fingers started tingling and my feet started tingling. So I went and test for that. And to make a long story short, I have neuropathy in my feet and hands and that has destroyed all the nerves in my foot and ankles from the chemo and from uh, the cancer. So I got to wear these plastic inserts and stuff. I was falling at home and and stuff like that. They did all this test on my nerves. So anyways, uh, I uh, got that test and my cancer doctor said, let's kind of do something different. Let's get chemo for your uh, neuropathy. Let's see if that works. So that was called Matrix, I believe it's called that. Wait, you can do that? I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, you could get chemo for your... Uh, for neuropathy? For neuropathy, to oh. help out. They wanted to try oh, okay. it. Oh, I got a backup, Sean. I'm sorry. No, chemo, no, chemo brain. <laughs> but I had something I had to get uh, after my chemo from uh, Hastings. I had to get a stem cell transplant. Oh, yeah. So they lay you on in a bed five hours, and they take the blood out of you, and they fill up like a a pint of blood. Mm -hmm. Then they freeze it, okay? And you can either do a stem cell of your blood or a stem cell from somebody else. I guess the one from a donor really has terrible side effects. Okay. So I had that done, and then along with them getting my blood back in me, they also gave me chemo too. And the side effects were just, I mean, just terrible. I mean, it was the worst of the worst. You feel like you had the flu, you have diarrhea, that's terrible. You have headaches. I mean, I just felt terrible. So that was, this is still right at six months after. Yeah, six months after. So uh, after that, with my, uh, you know, chemo stem cell, then I got my... uh, a cancer in my spleen. Yep. Okay. I hope I can. I went through kind of no, a wrong, wrong sequence there. So anyways, we're back to the, yeah, it's called maltrexate, the cancer to help out with my neuropathy. Uh, had that done three times, and the side effects for that was, it was, a, it was worse than my stem cell transplant. Yeah. It was terrible. And I went to the doctor. I remember I was just feeling terrible. And I was not how, like how like how was your mental health through this whole thing though terrible because I, oh. I as I'm listening to the story it's like things are bad for six months right yep who knows what's yep. gonna happen life might, yeah. might might end right cancer and then yep. all of a sudden cured yes top oh, of the world top of the world yeah and then all of a sudden again poof back down to yeah it. I was like I was like Kathy I said I can't believe this I said this cancer is cured and then I got 
the uh, you know cancer in the spleen, and I just went down the toilet again. My mental state was was terrible. Yeah. So I, what was like happening at home or anything? Were were you just agitated or yeah, depressed I was, I was or just, sad oh, or depressed, anxious? Depressed with a capital D, Sean. Yeah. It was just. I mean, I was in a bad mood. I didn't feel good. Uh, you know, I wasn't mean or anything like that to my wife. I just was like, okay, poor pitiful me. Should I feel sorry for myself? And I can't, I did. Yeah. I was like, why is this happening? What is going on? You know, and uh, was can I can I yeah. ask if the depression was similar uh, to what you experienced before the cancer stuff? You or know, was it different? I was depressed. I don't know. I guess I kind of can base this on maybe my early age, but this depression was probably 20, 30 times worse. Yeah. I mean, I was, I would just lay on the couch, close my eyes, started crying. And the depression, I mean, it, it just like a, a, a brick hit me. I, I just, I didn't know what to do. I was just so down and just down. And I just, I just, I told my Kathy and I said, I, I don't want to live anymore. This is, the, I can't take this. You know, I just cannot take this. Is this the life I have to live? Uh, so from there, can I go to the next, do you want to still talk about depression or? Yeah. It, can, I, can I ask yeah, you one more question? You bet. Because. I didn't. I didn't know this happens. Like you opened up my eyes to this, but while while you're experiencing this, they like set you up with a mental health professional, right, to like yes. teach you some tools or skills. Yes. Like what kind of things were were they teaching you, and did it help? So what they said is it's kind of a newer program. I think it's only two years old. This is at Mayo, right? This is at home. Oh, at home. And well, I talked to them at Mayo, and then they set it up through uh, your uh, virtual reality. So there are six other cancer patients, you know, breast cancer, throat cancer, older people, younger, not, you know, not younger kids, but maybe, you know, 30, 40 years old. Uh, and each person was on the screen. You could see the other person. We had a booklet that they sent me. And, you know, at first I thought, okay, I have to talk to people about my cancer. Yeah. I said, now I'm going to get more depressed. Well, anyways, it just kind of like uh, something just lit up in me. I was the I was the most talker in the, all the group. I almost yeah. had to shut up because the instructor couldn't get her words in. So did it make you more depressed? No, it made me it made me phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. it made me so. I'm not saying happy, but I got to vent. Yeah. She goes... Well, to people who understood, too, yes, right? Not yes, just yeah. non-cancer people. And she said, uh, lay it on the line. You go ahead. And I had a box of Kleenex and stuff, and I just uh, I just told them what's going on. Then you'd hear other people's stories. Oh, they're dealing with this the same way. Yeah. How are you doing mentally? Well, the instructor uh, told us to meditate. Don't think of the cancer in your system. If that starts to happen, mentally think of something else, okay? Think of an ocean. Think of a – she goes, what do you like to do? I said, I love the trout fish. I love the stream. I love the water noise. Yeah. And uh, 
One of the ones that I really liked is she said, pretend you're, pretend, I think I told you this, uh, pretend you're a mountain. You're solid. You're strong. You're at the top of the peak. You've, you've you know, succeeded this. Think, think of that. And I still think of that, John. If I get depressed, I just think, okay, I'm a mountain. I can get through this. I'm going to try to be strong. Not every day is like that, but it really, it just really hit me. Like mentally think of something else. Don't think of the worst case scenario. Think of the success or what, what your future is going to be. How are you able to hold that focus? Like that's what I wrestle with. Cause like you, you looked around my room. There's like yeah. a Buddhist monk. I don't know if you noticed that he's on yep. fire because yep, from Vietnam. Yeah, like the, so. the idea was like he was strong enough mentally where he could protest and set himself on fire and yeah. just be like, meh. Yeah. And he, he died that way. That's how he yeah. he protested. And to me, that's just like you have all of this chaos and noise going on and you were mm-hmm. able to just focus on this mountain or this other thought. Like, So what was it just like? one and done you could think about it and you were able to focus or was it like this constant like you get pulled away oh i'm going back to mountain oh i'm getting pulled away back to this mountain. was probably one of the hardest things that i had to do in my life i mean i just didn't just start walking up the mountain oh you know here we go you know i'm on top of the world no i mean i started at the bottom and you know, I, I had to concentrate. I'm a thinker. My mind's going 500 miles an yeah, hour. So am I. I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about this. And I had to just. I think the best thing, Sean, is I went downstairs, closed my eyes, and I had to focus. It's, it's a meditation. Yeah. Before bed, I started thinking about this mountain. I go to different mountains. I go to Mount Fuji. I go to you know the Appalachians. Did you ever go to Rushmore? Stand on Washington space. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> no, what look at all the bird poop. <laughs> yeah. But uh no, I mean it's not easy. I mean I still struggle with it. You know, there's some days I'll say, Okay, I wanna go to that mountain and then some voice is telling me, Yeah, you wanna go there? Well, maybe you shouldn't go there. So I, I got this kind of I don't know, you've probably seen it like a devil on one shoulder, an angel on <laughs> yeah. the other, telling you different voices. I think that yeah. was on Saturday Night Live. They had a skit <laughs> yeah. with that uh, John Lovitz. You That's know? the ticket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and no, I struggle with it so much. I have to get in my own private space. And just just less distractions, right? Yeah, less distractions. Well, that's why they call it a practice, right? It's meditation practice because yes. you, you you can't just do it. It's, no, it's a yeah. You you get better at it as you do it. And I'm still not there, but I you know I I try. I don't know if you ever get there. Like I've talked to yeah. a lot of people lately, and and there they go. There's no end, which is kind of what's beautiful about it. Is yeah. you never master this, kind of like pole vault. Like yep. it's too complicated to ever master, yeah. which is why it's addicting and helpful because it's a puzzle you'll never solve. So you can, there's something yeah. to always be working on. I uh, I've fallen off the mountain many times. So <laughs> I've had ropes there. I've had those things to there's climb like up there. Ice picks, ice things. picks, <laughs> and I have fallen down, and I'm kind of like. Oh, looking at the top. Well, this is too tough. You know, this I'm not going to do this anymore. And what, you know, I love sayings. 
and I got this one saying from a nurse because she knew I had cancer. She goes, here's a saying from Winston Churchill. If you're going through hell, keep going. Yeah. If you're going through hell, keep going. And there's many times I'm on the couch and I'm laying there feeling sorry for myself. I said, Mark, get your get your butt off the couch and get going. Don't sit there and feel sorry for yourself. So I'm struggling with, you know, should I do it or shouldn't I do it? And some days I don't. Some days I'll lay on the couch the whole day. I got to take my dog to go to the bathroom and stuff like that. But it's like uh, the mind is, I was thinking this when I was coming over, is so powerful I mean, I don't know how many pounds it is. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's eight pounds. <laughs> yeah. And it's like... Eight uh, pounds of goo. <laughs> I, I, remember, uh, I remember Will Smith. He had something with the heart. It was seven pounds. There was oh, a movie. yeah. I've only watched said. it once because it bawled my eyes. I know. It. Good show. Yeah. But the I have, you know, and you know more about it than I do, Sean. The mind is such a complex thing, but... You got to learn how, if we can, control our thoughts. Because, you know, I'll wake up in the morning and I'll say to myself, I got cancer today. You know, no, I'm in remission. I'm in remission. My cancer is controlled. Yeah. You know, thank God my cancer is, is controlled. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't have cancer today. It's, it's in there, but it's controlled. Yeah. So let the bluebirds start singing and tweeting and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, have a, and I think as a person, I have a pretty positive attitude. I know I'm, you know, we all have our days. Well, it's interesting because I, out of all, a lot of people who struggle with mental, yeah. you know, I hate to call it mental illness. I know well, that's what they call it, but like just mental problems or yeah, it's hard. I like, I keep after doing a few of these podcasts, I keep trying to like reword it. Like, yeah there's not anything wrong with you. It's just, there's some patterns and and some thought patterns that you can challenge and that's nothing wrong with you. That's just something you can work on. You know, like I feel like a problem is something like you can't fix or change or or do anything like that. Where with mental health, it seems like it's so loose in a lot of ways, especially with depression or anxiety that you can. And another thing is uh, when I had depression, you know, back and, you know, when you and I are together, um, when you vaulted, I didn't handle it very well. I, I you know, I was like, what am, what's going on here with my mind? I saw doctors, I th- saw therapists, I took medication, and I was like in the dark. It's like, who, who do I talk to about this? Where, where do you go? You know, and I was ashamed, you know, and, and I told Kathy, I said, what do I, what do I do? You know, she said, well, you know, maybe go to a therapist. I try to read on it the best I could. And uh, now, since getting cancer, I'm ab- I think I, I, I've learned quite a bit of how to handle myself better back in the day. Well, that was, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Was, um, so you've learned, you learned these tools because of this terrible thing that, that – or experience that you had to go through, right? Not mm. doesn't sound fun at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, and in the in the process, not just the tools, but you learned that by talking about it, 
like actually felt better than yeah. worse where you went again, your mind's telling you, don't talk about this. Who would mm. want to hear about this? Blah, blah, blah. And I had the same experience when I was in the mental health hospital where, you know, we had group therapy. There was maybe 10 or 12 of us all in a circle. Yeah. Um, some lady in her seventies and a kid who was 15 and you know, everything in between all from different avenues of life. And I instantly felt better as they were telling me their problems and you know sure and part of me wants to feel like guilty because oh, i feel better because of your problems but it wasn't like that it was like oh someone understands yes. and i can open up about this yes. i don't have to hold on to it anymore yep. i can i can let it go and not feel judged because they understand and that's what was like the the steam was let out you yep. know it was like yep. oh, i felt better and then nice. like meds didn't do that yep. as quick you know at the time but just having a group of people that understood it, it helped me be more compassionate with myself and the group mm-hmm. and and that was like a, a massive gift i got on day one yeah, <laughs> of being in a mental health hospital but i don't hear people talking about that very often you know the thing that i <clears throat> noticed and i told you this is uh <clears throat> Sorry, the uh, support group. I mean, I've had so many people nationwide, uh, my high school classmates, you, your dad, my wife, my kids, my grandkids. I mean, when you get a call from somebody and you're in a down mood and somebody said, I hope you have a good day, how are you doing? You know, I've gotten texts from you, Coach, how are you doing? It. I, you have no idea how that lifts you up. Yeah. You know, like your your dad and I, I mean, you know, we don't do a lot of stuff together. But uh, your dad goes to me, you know, when I was going through this, before I got in remission, he goes, I'm praying for you. And he goes to me, he said, you know, you're one of my best friends. And I started bawling. Yeah. I did. Because I didn't realize that him and I had that relationship. And just the, the people's concern and texting and emails and you know preachers calling me and it's just like people care people care i i I felt guilty sean i felt like what why are you guys doing this well people care for you and it's like if i wouldn't have that i I don't think i'd be here i don't think i would be here but that that's the wildest part because I I can relate to what you're saying. Like I, it's hard for me to even reach out to people to let them know I'm thinking about them because I'm like I don't want to bother them. No, on I their I day. know what you're saying. But that's a stupid thought. That's not that's yep. not accurate. You know, yeah. as you just said, when I would send you those, cause yeah. I would wrestle with it. Am I bugging him? He's probably yeah. got a lot going on. Yeah. He's probably thinking too much, <laughs> and I don't want to make it work. Like that's the yep. the yep. story I'm telling myself. Yeah. And instead, it was like there's this other part of you that's not your thoughts. Like mm-hmm. I, I, it's like the parts that's watching your thoughts, you know? Yeah. And that part's like, no, tell them, tell them it feels good. And it'll, it'll yeah. make you feel good because you care about somebody. And, and why, why keep that to yourself? That's, yeah. that's like love, right? And it's therapy for you too. Yeah. Kind of, you know, but it's that, but that's where that guilt comes from. Cause yes. I think somewhere in my past, and I don't know if you've learned this too, that if something feels good for you, then it's yep. not pure or it's, yeah. it's not kind right. Of fake and, it's yeah. Or, and guilt. Yeah. Guilt, yeah. And that's, I, I don't think that's like, I've been challenging that a lot and I don't think that's real at all, mm-hmm. you know? And I still wrestle with that though. You and, know, it's hard to show our emotions. I mean, you know, like you go to a funeral, 
what do you say? Well, I'm sorry. Well, that person's, you know, that's, uh, you know, standing there has probably heard that from a hundred people. You know, we don't sometimes know what to say to one another. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I've always tried. I remember, and I think I told you this, my great-grandmother, she had a third-grade education. She was from Czechoslovakia. <laughs> Yaksi Mush, I'd always say to her, that was, uh, how you doing? And Dubshe, she said, fine. She said, I want to let you know something. She said, I've got a third-grade education, but I want you to listen to me and do this the rest of their life. She said, bid people the day. She said, they might not. I said, what do you mean your name is Minna? I said, what do you mean bid people? That she said, be kind to people, put a smile on their face, and be nice to people. She said, remember that. And Sean, to this day, I try. And, you know, I'm not perfect. You know, I have, you know, my bad days and maybe don't say hi to somebody or somebody passes you on the freeway and you flip them off or, you know. Uh, (laughs) But I think that's true. I think it's therapy for, for us. And who is receiving it, you know? And like you said, I've, you know, many times I've wanted to reach out to you, you know, with your situation. I remember when you had that situation in North Dakota, I didn't know what to say to you. I got all the information from your dad. And I tried to text you, but I said, I didn't want, I don't want to bother, Sean. It's the same thing with you. I don't want to bother because you're in college, you're pole vaulting, you're studying. But I want to be part of your life. I want to be there for you. I want to help you. Anything you need, Sean, I'll be there. If I had to drive to the Dakotas and help you out, I'll be there. And I always got information from your dad, so don't think Isn't that, that I... Isn't that crazy? We we, re, we responded or reacted the same way to each other. Isn't that crazy? And... Yeah. And I don't, like, I don't expect that from people. I don't expect, oh, oh Mark, how you doing today? How you, I feel guilty when somebody... You know, I don't want that. I want to be to those people. Hey, how you doing? How you feeling? How's it going? You know, you having a bad day? That's what I want. That's therapy for me. But when you get it in return, yeah, it's it's just like the bells just start. I mean, yeah, but you said you still feel guilty though, right? I do, and so that's why, like, I'm doing these podcasts is I'm trying to figure out. I have I have this theory and okay. it is that everybody at their core is beautiful and kind and just wants to express love and be loved, right? Yep. And what happens is as as we go through life, we get conditioned by certain patterns or I, I call them like barriers that prevent okay. us from doing that. Yep. And so for me and you, that same thing happened. Like there was this barrier that taught us, I better not reach out. I better not bother from, yeah. but there's something stronger deep down that's going i want to tell them i want i i need them to because it feels good and it feels kind and that guilt that i feel like is another barrier that we both have where if that wasn't there and we could receive it we could give more of it you know what i mean excellent yes that's that's a great example but it's hard oh it is and i think it starts with some of those tools we're both doing like i I meditate every morning um i find it extremely important that that and you were meditating too just challenging your thoughts i mean that's why i have the shirt don't believe everything you think i mean it's like a reminder to not just myself but everybody who can read it to go yeah oh well i have this thought but 
I don't have to believe it. Yeah. Maybe I should challenge that, and then maybe that barrier will get lower, and you can start to go through it. Sure. And I and I I just think like the world would be a better place if we all looked at at our barriers or what's preventing us from. I don't know what to call it. Like get into that stream of yeah. give giving love be, or and receiving it. But I I mean that's what I said at my wedding. I don't know if you remember. I told Carrie the hardest thing I will do is grow love from you and accept it like yeah. and that was like i don't know it's it's hard to give yourself anything especially with you know our history of depression in the past yeah. where you're like i don't deserve anything that's yes. kind of the message i can always tell myself and you know how exactly hard is it nowadays for us to be kind to people it seems like nowadays people have or some people have a hard time you know doing that i mean it's like like if you are walking down the street and you see a stranger and say hi, it's like, oh, why'd you say hi to me? Why'd you <laughs> smile at me? Yeah, you know, isn't don't you kind of feel like that? It's like why, why is it hard to be nice to people? Yeah, that's a whole different conversation. I think it's like <clears throat> we're on our phones more. Like yeah. the younger generation just doesn't have those uh, interpersonal <clears throat> skills anymore. But I know I I make an effort every time I you know someone checks out to try and have a little mini conversation and try and make a stupid fart choke to yeah. make them smile at least once you know <laughs> that's kind of the goal um instead of just you know ring up my food and i'll put my card yeah. in this thing and then never even think about you again but yeah. like it, it does and it makes me feel good even if even if they have their wall up and it bounces off them and comes back then it's actually hilarious. It's kind of funny to me. Like, oh, yeah. that fart choked you. <laughs> you know? But either way, it always just feels like the attempt of even putting good into the world is 100% worth it. You know, like I uh, I apologize, Sean, with this Kleenex. I get a runny nose, and, uh, you know, I probably look like... No, do you need some more? No, I'm good. <laughs> okay. You know, it's, that's going to look good on screen, isn't it? <clears throat> we'll oh, slow-mo it and zoom in. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we were talking at uh, Northfield when we had uh, lunch together. Uh, you know, just just the, the idea of trying to help people nowadays is uh, it's challenging. And I was the type of person I was always quiet and inverted. And I'm not saying. And cancer has changed me. It has changed me 360 degrees. Uh, 180 maybe? Yeah, maybe 180. Yeah. <laughs> 360 would be going the same direction. You're <laughs> well, I don't know, maybe 520 or whatever. Uh, what was I going to say? Sorry, no, said, no, that's good. No, I, I was thinking about what are the numbers now, 180 or 360? <laughs> Might have okay. been a 360, right? <laughs> I've seen it in, the, in TV shows, right, where they do a full spin, they have a different outfit on. But I, but I talk to people more <laughs> and... I remember a nurse telling me, she said, you have a story, tell your story. And you know how some people like to listen. Some people are like, oh, here he goes again. And maybe I do bore people, but uh, <clears throat> I have a story to tell, and I want to help as many people as I can, and I'm more open. And uh, it's just, it's, it's not that I want to have this cancer, but man, has it changed me. It has just... So what's your message? What do you want people to learn from your story? I want them to learn that we have to, whatever situation you're going through in life, 
we have to learn to control our mind, to not be negative about things, uh, just to open up more, to, to try to help people out. Uh, I've talked to so many people, you know, it's amazing. You talk to somebody, oh, I've got cancer. Well, yeah, my uncle just had cancer. How many people have different issues? You would know. Yeah. On the outside, they're, oh, what boy, that person's got it together. You start talking to them, and they're like crying and falling apart. Yeah, I got this going on. I got this going on here like that. And it's the same with mental health too, right? Yeah. Like I've run into that same thing where you, yeah. as soon as you start talking about it, all of a sudden. Yeah, people, it just opens the door. Pandora's up. box. Yeah. Everything comes out and stuff, and I've really, I've opened up. I've changed as a person. So prior to cancer, <clears throat> kind of introverted and closed. Introverted. Um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you're like no. cautious of other people in a way where you're just like, I want to do my own thing. Yeah, and- that's kind of the what it was. I mean, I, I communicated. I mean, I was a physical education teacher. Yeah. I had to talk. That was the hardest job for me bunch of because I was like, forced yeah. to talk. Yeah. I told Kathy, I said, if I wouldn't, wouldn't have gone into education, I'd probably be like a uh, hermit on a hill. I didn't have to talk to anybody. <laughs> trout fish. Also. Yeah, I had my own environment, <laughs> trout fish. But it made me open up, but this has just opened up a can of worms. It's like, wow. So what was it that, what do you, what do you feel changed that? I know, I know the cancer and the experience, but like what, what barrier, if we were, if we're using that analogy was kicked down that allowed you to do that? You know, I always thought when I was younger and stuff that people did not listen to me. I'd say something and it's like if I'm in a group of, you know, five people and I said something, it was like nobody really responded to me. And I thought like, huh, well, I thought I had something important to say. And I can't, you know, like if I was at a party, I'd be the one in the corner. I'd be all by myself. And it's like I didn't want to interject with people because I didn't want to say the wrong thing. It's like, oh, that's kind of weird, isn't it? And, and I kind of just always grew up like that. I'd be at meetings with my fellow fight teachers, and I'd say something, and it's like, oh, they didn't listen to me. So I always kind of felt like I got rejected. Maybe I didn't, Sean. I don't know if I got rejected. Yeah, I, w- I wonder like, if something happened in your past that taught you that, mm-hmm. or if it was, or, or if that's, you. yeah, I don't know. Well, you know, we kind of talked about this, or hit on this a little bit. I, I love my parents. They're phenomenal people. But I always felt like I was walking on eggshells. Mm. Kind of like if I made a mistake. Like your whole childhood? Yeah, I, I'd hear about it. Like I remember okay. we were at a supper table and I had a gallon of milk. I spilled it and I got in trouble for it. Well, Excellent. you know, Dad, why did you yell at me because of that? I mean, I made a mistake. I always felt kind of like, okay, well, then I'm not going to talk. I'm not, I'm just going to be in my own little world in my room and that's fascinating because a lot of these <clears throat> again people i've been talking to they talk about these little traumas that you have mm-hmm. as a kid and you're more susceptible it's like it's like i look at this this uh dumb and dumber thing right uh if it was white and i threw some blue on there the blue would stick out like crazy right nope. but because there's so many colors like the blue's not as yeah. as it's crazy. So like that one trauma when you're a kid, I feel like when you're a kid, you're like this blank white canvas yeah. and these 
blue trauma can like affect the rest of your life that way because it just creates more blue. Isn't right? that crazy? Yeah. And so it's, I'm not a therapist by any stretch, but I could see, I can, I could see how that connection might be there. Yeah. Um, where if you're at a party, you're like, you're getting that message that you got as a kid where you're yep. going, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I'm on eggshells again. Kind of a situation. I, uh, I had a girlfriend that I really liked and I saw her in the hallway. I would go to the other hallway so I didn't have to confront her and talk to her. Your, your girlfriend? <clears throat> yeah. Really? <laughs> well, it, people said, Hesley, are you stuck up? I said, no, I'm not stuck up. I said, I'm just shy. Yeah. I don't, the words don't come out. And I've always been like that. And, uh, you know, now I think I probably talk too much. Yeah, so, so how how did that barrier get knocked down? So I don't like, know, what, Sean. What I was guess the change? I guess when I got cancer and uh, that nurse told me, she said, you have a story to tell. Reach out to people. Try to help them what they're going through with cancer. I said, what I the have, hell? I'm going for it. I have something important to say. Yeah. I'm, you and know, if they don't to... like it, they don't want to listen to me. They don't, And I'm not preaching to the choir. I'm just, I I have something to help people with. So you're fishing, right? Yeah, you you have something to to do to help people out. Hmm. You know, yeah, I'm fishing, and I I hooked a person in. Here they come. But not, you're not going to catch a fish on every cast. Right? No, you're not. But it sounds like before you were almost like, I need to catch a fish every single time I cast, yep. which is unrealistic, right? There's, oh yeah, there's no way. Yeah, anyone who's fished just doesn't work yeah. that way unless yep. you're having a great day. Yep. <laughs> and you know, not everybody wants to hear this story. I've uh, told people, but and, if you don't cast, you can't yeah. help people. I I'm casting. Yeah. You know, I'm casting. I've uh, run out of line, and I'm uh, putting it back on the fishing reel. And I'm casting, and I've I think I've caught a lot of people so far. So, do you think from that um that that doctor who told you that your story is important? Do you think yeah. it also helped, like talking to that group potentially? Because... It really helped, Sean. Yeah, I mean, just what those people are going through. Because I, when I first the first day, I was like, I'm going to say something stupid. <laughs> They're not going to listen to me. So the same story you've been telling. Same story. Okay. I said, I'm going to go in my corner and sit, and nobody's going to listen. And, man, I had people listening to me. Well, you know, they're in the same situation. They have cancer. Yeah. Uh, but they listened. They listened. And I thought, man, this is this is pretty powerful. This is neat. Yeah. I guess is it that if, you know, you and I kind of have this – Situation is it easier for you and I to talk about it because we, you know, we've gone through this yeah. depression stuff. You know, if, if I talk to somebody that didn't have depression, would they want to listen to me? I mean, where's you, the where's the audience? Know. And that's the thing, right? You don't know you, until yeah. you you do it. Where's the audience? Yeah. So that's that's pretty crazy. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. It's. Uh, you know, uh, we as people, I mean, you know, you hear so much negative stuff on on TV and the media, and uh, are people really listening nowadays to social media? Are they I don't know. getting the wrong message? See, the, the, it's, it's tough to say because, like, I bought a bunch of marketing books, you know, and they're all saying sell them what they don't have. That's yeah. essentially what the, how you sell things. Tell them what they don't have and yeah. they need it and convince them they need it. Yeah. And it's kind of gross, you know. And if you 
if you do that all the time, and if that's what most marketing companies are following, they're going to pry on your weakness and your insecurities. Mm-hmm. Like that's what beauty magazines are. Yep. Do you like the way you look? You shouldn't yeah. unless you have this product, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's gross. And so if you're always on social media, I think that's where it becomes dangerous. But like having these conversations, I don't think we talked about one negative thing so far. No. You know, the thing <laughs> is this podcast, I, you know, I remember hearing about it and I remember, you know, talking to people who have been on it. This is unbelievable. It's been fun. I mean, you can, yeah. you can just vent, you can share. Nobody's saying, oh, you know, you, you made a stupid comment. Yeah. Say this, don't say that. There's none of that. I There's none of it. It's just one on one, and one and uh, talking, and it's a, a powerful tool. Yeah. Well, the Internet's just powerful. Too. It does. And so it's like I've heard Joe Rogan say it like this, but, like, you can you can – Build a, you can use a hammer to build a house or you can hit yourself in the dick with it. You know, you got to. And so, and so the Internet can be this a dick hitting tool. Yeah. It's not it can hurt people or yes. your, your dick. Yeah. <laughs> or you can build a house, you know, yes. and, you know, for for the homeless or whoever else. And so it, it's all how you use it. And so I, don't, I just. I just know that the internet's a place where you can reach more people oh, instead of trying to do it, you know, one-on-one all the time. It's a powerful tool. So we're trying. Yeah, and, and like we talked, I mean, if this if this helps one person, maybe a person... Well, you already helped me, so yeah, it's well, you've already helped working. Me. <laughs> but let's say a person has cancer out there and, uh, excuse me, the world, and they think, uh, well, I may, might need to open up. That guy opened up. You help one person. I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah, worth, that's one hundred percent worth this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I so, can I do a little? Uh, I don't want to call it a project. This, you do anything this you want with you. All right. So yeah. I made you uh, run, get the hills. <laughs> so I like hills. <laughs> you gave me a treat. Yeah. I I know I've talked to you about this a little bit in the past, but Bonnie Bonnie Miller is this hospice nurse, and okay. she. Um, she, she created this book called The Five Regrets of the Dying. And I just wanted to ask you because I, didn't, I, I feel like I can't talk. We have this relationship where I can actually ask oh, you some questions. Ask me anything, Sean. Um, I, I just want to go through all five and see if they kind of relate in a all way. Right. Because you said at that one point, like, you didn't know if you were going to live. Like, I, I think you told me, like, a you had a week to live. They, they or gave me two like weeks that? to live. Two I, weeks. I did a downward spiral. I got all cancer in my bloodstream, and I didn't know that. I was I was giving up, and they told my wife this. They said, you know, later on, you know, not telling her then, but they go, yeah, he if this new chemo wouldn't work, he he would have been gone in two weeks. And I was just at the point, I was like, I'm done. So I did you did you have peace with it at that point, or were you just mm. like? I was so sick, Sean. I had uh, 104 fever. I was delirious. I felt like crap. I felt terrible. <laughs> I just told myself, I said, I'm hanging in the towel. Yeah. I just, I don't want to live anymore. This is, I can't take this. Yeah, it was, it was bad. It was the worst part of my life. Yeah. 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 Jeez, that's kind of wild. Yeah. It was, uh, so was there like suicide thoughts there or just like, I just told right. myself, yeah, I just That's told it. myself, I said, I don't want the chemo anymore. I don't want help. 
and I actually told my cancer doctor, I said, I'm done. I this just let me go in peace. And uh, she always reminds that to me. She calls me her miracle patient because a <laughs> lot of patients that she's had that have gone through this are not here today. Yeah. She goes, you're here. You know, and like I told you, I said, I, I'm not here. I mean, I, I'm not here to, to push religion on people, but I had people praying for me, helping me. I guess I'm here for a reason. That's the way I take it. Yeah. You know, uh, I, yeah, it's, uh, I was down and, and now I'm, you know, I have some people the other day look at me and go, Mark Hesley, is that you? Because they saw me at my low point. Yeah. You know, oh, you got hair and because I was bald. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I lost a lot of weight. I was in a wheelchair. I had to learn how to walk again. I had to learn how to uh, write again, use a utensil, toothbrush. I mean, I was dire straight. Yeah. You know, so isn't there a rock group, Dire Straight? I think so. Industrial <laughs> Disease. <laughs> One of my favorite songs. Well, anyways. So at, your, so at your very worst when you were like, you were literally looking at death in the yep. eyes. I, I guess my first question is, are you are you happy you, you made it? Very happy. Very, very happy. Yeah. Uh, it, it was an eye opener. You know, it's like I beat death with help. Yeah. I beat death. I was, I was, <laughs> I was almost gone. Yeah. And that's why, you know, we're doing this to help people that maybe are in that situation. Maybe somebody's thinking about suicide right now. Maybe somebody's... Well, because you were yeah. throughout this whole process. Oh, yeah. And you I just, said prior to that you were too. And, I, and I've been there where you're literally looking at death. And, and, I, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but for me personally, it was like, fuck, if I quit there... I wouldn't have met my wife. Yep. Like, I wouldn't have, you know, helped people with pole vault. I wouldn't have this podcast. I wouldn't yep. be able to do all these things that I enjoy and to be able to help other people. Because yep. that's, I, I do get a lot of joy out of doing that. Oh, yes. And, you know, I, I think there's a power to not being forced to look at your own death because, God, it's miserable. Yeah. <laughs> but um, to just know that this is this isn't permanent you know yeah. kind of a yeah thing. i know it's uh i guess you don't know what somebody goes through until you experience it i mean i i can you know tell you you understand i tell somebody off the street what, what do you mean you know you you didn't want to live anymore well no i didn't i so you think that's kind of do you kind of laugh to yourself like oh man he just doesn't understand yeah. there's no way i can help him no there's no words you yeah have to experience it yeah it's just like, it's like trying to explain sex to a virgin right it is <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, there's no words. You got to try yeah, it sometime. It's like uh, <laughs> next subject, please. Yeah, it's like wow. So okay, so let's go through All right. these. I want to see if if, if they match. So okay. Bonnie Miller again was a hospice nurse who asked um, the biggest regrets of the dying, and I want to see if if these work for you. The number one was I wish I had the courage to live my life true to myself and not the life others have expected of me. Mm-hmm. Did did that like um. Did that change to you, or did you find that before you are you doing more things now for you versus fear of other people or for other people? Uh, 
Yeah, I guess, uh, like I said, I was kind of more or less uh, a person that existed, but I didn't really share my thoughts and knowledge to the world. And that, since I've gotten better in remission, I'm like, uh, wow, I I guess I do count in this world. I guess I can share things you know so well i remember the first time i asked you this you go sometimes i just don't want to go to things i got invited to so i just say no yeah (laughs) and i was like that's perfect like that like going through this you have and again if i'm putting words in your mouth just stop me but you realize you only have a, a small amount of time whether it's you know born to 80 which is still small in the grand scheme of things yeah. and by doing something you don't want to do you know that's i don't i wouldn't say wasting that time but not living true to what like you're feeling you yeah. know and yes yeah, and as you just said speaking up and sharing your thoughts it's doing that exact same thing yeah, yeah and i've always thought about you know you hear this bucket list <laughs> yeah. well yeah you know, yeah, have you crossed anything off that since this? Well, uh, you know, I just told Kathy, I said, or, you know, we're going to go on some trips. Yeah. Let's rock and roll. You know, I mean, why, why sit in uh well, if you can afford it and, you know, I'm retired and stuff and let's do something. Let's live. Yeah. Don't just sit on your laurels. Just live and, you know, just live and try to have fun so this experience just help push you to be able to do that oh, easier it, it, it's it's amazing it's it's like i did a flip in the air and i don't know how to do a flip you know <laughs> yeah. i don't i'm trying to use an analogy here uh well you can't because uh, no. i haven't experienced it in the way you have and no. a lot of other people haven't either no that's when why like this conversation i think is so important if when you're down on uh what do they say uh down to the ground and you know you can work your way up it's yeah it's yeah unbelievable yeah you're not the same person you are i'm not i'm totally not totally changed you and like i said i'm i'm not glad that i got this cancer but it is i like you said i'm just a different different cat well i I, I call those beautiful sadnesses i think we've talked about yeah yep it's like this this sad sad terrible experience happened but because of i don't know it i hate to say yin yang because people start to you know they have a different you know relationship with it but there's there's this equal balance to it like this horrible thing happened but the gift that came out of it was holy holy crap this part of your life now you get to live way more fully than you did before and who knows if you would have been able to get there without that experience yep. because we'll never know, but you are now. How come I didn't answer that way to, to you? That was a great response. Oh, no, 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 you, should, just, you should switch and then come over here. Okay, this take is your a- glasses. And <laughs> um, let's, so number two yep. of, of the regrets were, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. So what are you asking with so the... They, they said... Um, that was a regret that some of the, they had in the dying, and, and what she wrote was, and this came from every male patient that she nursed. Okay. They missed their children's youth, their partner's companionship, women who spoke of this regret. But as most were from an older generation, many female patients didn't 
hadn't been breadwinners. So, well, I see what you're a saying. Lot of corporate. No, I I think uh, I think you were pretty involved, weren't you? For me, oh, for me and my job, I mean, you know, I had you know great hours. I uh, got to see my kids, you know, programs. I would take the day off. Uh, you know, I got to see all their sporting events, uh, choir concerts. Yeah, I did. You know, like so you had uh, a great balance. Then. Yeah, like Harry Chapin's. You know, said the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. Yeah, there's none of that for you. No, no. I mean, I. <laughs> I really wanted to get involved. I mean, I would, you know, in the wintertime, I'd go outside and play with my kids, and I, I tried to do as much as I could. Well, yeah, I, I hung out with your son at track meets because he was a thrower. And yeah. Walters and throwers seemed to always I know, be yeah. best buddies for some yeah. reason. I, th- I think I was a good dad and uh, always, always wanted to do things, and still still am. I, I try to be with my kids. I know they got their own life, and trying to now be with my grandkids. So. I think I know the answer to this next one, <laughs> but uh, the regrets of the dying again. I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. Yeah, you know, uh, I've gotten closer with my kids because of this, and sometimes, Close, you know. Closer how, though? Well, you know, like I would always kind of maybe have arguments with uh, Adam and stuff, you know, about different things. But I've kind of just stepped aside and let him get his viewpoint out and not not always jump the gun. Just listen to people more. And uh, I've gotten closer, you know, with my wife, not that we had problems. But I think I step back and I listen to people more and I don't, like, try to interject. Do you, you, know? do you express how you feel, though? I do. Like, or do you? Yeah, if, pe- if people ask me, Sean, you know, if they know I have cancer and they go, well, how you doing? I'll, I just don't say, hey, I got cancer and let's talk about me. <laughs> look at my shirt. Yeah, yeah. I heart cancer. <laughs> uh, I've gotten closer to my kids and Kathy and. Uh, but but I guess I'm asking is by closer, I, are you able to express like what they mean to you or are you able to tell people? that easier now versus before this experience i've I've always told my uh kids that i love them okay i've always done that i remember my dad i never heard him once say to me i love you and he never rarely said that he rarely said that to my mom she goes i love you warren he goes me too and it was hard like why is it hard to say i love you to somebody he wasn't a mean person he was very compassionate. He did it in different ways, but I've always been the one. And Kathy too. We, you know, I love you. I care for you. Have a nice day. So yeah, that's never been a problem for me hmm. at all. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, just I. I think as a, a coach and a teacher, I always put arms around kids. Hey, you're a great person. Yeah. I think I did that as a coach. I think I showed oh, love to my athletes. Always. Like the sky's the limit. You yeah. always told us You know, give, give you a hug. You know, if you did good, you didn't do good. Uh, I remember uh, one of the Walters, who, not Gina Hamilton, but uh, Paige? Paige, Paige Samuelson. She had a really rough day out there in practice and at home. Something was going on. And I go, uh, Paige, come on over here. Do you want to talk? She goes, yeah, I want to talk. I hugged her and I kissed her on the forehead. Probably wasn't appropriate as a coach. And your dad was there because he was helping me out. He goes, 
He goes, Mark, he said, you have a gift. You have a gift to helping people. He said, that's hard for me to do. That's hard for me to open up. And I said, well, you know, we're we're all different. We all do different things, you know. And I always try to make, you know, people feel good. That's yeah. You're good at it. You're good at it. Well, I don't know. It's Well, I know you are because yeah. I was your athlete. Yeah, I know. No friend, you I know. know. So, so would you say before and after that's remained the same? That's like, that's okay. about the same, Sean, yes. Okay, so number four is, I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. Like, I guess before um, Asus was going on, did old friends pop in, into mind? You're like, fuck, I, I wish I stayed in touch. Or did you, or after the fact, or is it easier to call people now? You know, I uh, I always went to my class reunions. But like I said, I have had so many of my high school friends call me, text me, and I didn't really reach out to them. I wish I would have, you know. Like but beforehand? I, but right now, I'm so, I, I've got things going on with my high school friends, and I feel like, oh, are we doing this because I have cancer? Mm. Uh, this is weird, you know. But, you know, I've always had a, you know, kind of a connection with, with my high school friends, but... Maybe not as close as I wanted. But now it's like, I got a guy calling me from South Carolina. I got one from California. I got one from Eau Claire. I've got one from Monona. I got one from Wabasha. I mean, it's just like... So, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow. So that one's definitely in there. Yes. Sorry, I'm taking I guess uh, I should... Probably answer. I probably am a long uh, no 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 I uh, answer person. No, I I just want to make sure I'm understanding the answer correctly. Sure. I mean, worst case scenario is, you know, I <laughs> I don't want to create a, a story in my head either. No. You know. Cool. All right, last last one. You know, with the, with these friends things, have you tried challenging like that thought? Like, are they, or or have you worked with that as? They're just hanging. They're, they just want to talk to me because I have cancer. See, that's that's kind that? of what you think at first, but they're they're genuine friends. Yeah, I mean, so you smash that thought into a million pieces. Like, oh, yeah. I wasn't real. What the hell was I thinking? No, I mean, I I've had you know them come up, uh, knock on the door, you know, unexpected, and you know, how you doing? Um, the, my nickname was Hayes. Uh, H-A-Z, Purple Haze, set my phrase, Jimi <laughs> Hendrix. Yeah. You know, that's how I got it. And uh, her Hess, I'll go by Hess Haze. Yeah, it's like, it's genuine. I mean, you can tell when somebody's fake or just going through the motions. It's it's unreal. Well, it's kind I, of, I mean, the the, the the experience, and I'm I'm not saying it wasn't, it, it was, I don't know, I feel like I'm devaluing it by saying it also impacted other people, but that's not true at all. Like the by you going through that, I think it forced other people to see the uh, that life isn't infinite either, that it's yes. it's finite and that holy shit, maybe I I wish I called them sooner too. You yeah. know, and it put this I don't know. So I I try and do a, a video every week and because of that deadline it forces it to get done, you know, yeah. kind of a thing. And I feel like when something like that happens, whether it's a even a loss of a pet can do that to people, go, oh, my gosh, I thought I was going to have this dog yeah. forever, you know, and then it, it dies or something, and you go, all right. It kind of makes you reexamine your life and, and put things I I guess the, the way I think about it is 
they're helping me, but I'm helping them. It's it's that you know kind of yeah that perfect that perfect uh, storm. Is there a perfect storm? Well, anyway, you know it's like the you know they're calling me. They don't have to, but they're they're being compassionate to me, and we are good friends anyway. But it's you know giving them a chance to maybe talk about things we never talked about. Yeah. You know, I've learned so much from them about, you know, my mom died of cancer and my my dad abused me uh, with one of my friends. And I never knew that. You know, they're, they're, we're opening up to one another, you know, and it's like, wow, I never knew that about you. I thought you were just a cool cat in high school. You know, <laughs> yeah. you seen, you had all the girlfriends, you're studding sports, you had it all together. Yeah, but my dad was abusing me. Wow, I didn't know that. You know, so I'm giving them comfort because I'm trying to help them out too. I'm listening to them, and they're listening to me. It's 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 the bond is just it's powerful. You say because I forget that just by listening and being there with somebody is is therapeutic. Yeah, you know, like, it is. I got to I got to write that down on my forehead so I see it every day in the mirror or something. That yeah, just being there and having compassion and empathy for somebody what they're what somebody's going through no matter what it is is you you don't know powerful. do you i mean it's just like you know you see somebody and they kind of put this uh, clown face on like oh you know things are hunky dory well we don't know because we don't know their life and and maybe that was was why sony was grumpy you know when you talk to them and yeah, it's opened me up that I try to ask more questions. I try to get into their head. You were just tell my wife that they call you question mark. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that, I'm that's, asking so many questions. I, that's yeah, my daughter in law, you know, my name's Mark and she goes, Oh, how many questions do you have? Mark question mark. <laughs> it's I do, I love to ask I'd rather know about you, Sean, than me. I love asking Well, you know questions. everything about you. I know. Right? But you know what I'm saying? I like uh, with your wife, Carrie, just a phenomenal person. I love to know what she's doing and what she's thinking. I never would have done that before. Oh, hi, Carrie. How you doing? How's your work? Now I kind of go a little deeper and, you know, how's it going or what do you have to deal with or... So what do you... How, what changed? Like, what barrier was that changed where you were more interested in what other people were doing? Good question. I just, I opened up more. I, I was always, you know, I was always the type of person that liked to listen. I'm a better listener than talker. Maybe that's changed. I don't know. <laughs> but I always like to know about people and kind of get in their head, like, what's what's going on here, you know? So maybe I should have been a therapist or a psychologist. Maybe. You know, as a as a you physical education as a teacher, you know, I was a nurse, a therapist, a doctor, uh, you know, uh, a, somebody that cared for somebody. Janitor. I guess I've always had that in me. Yeah, janitor, <laughs> you know, hmm. so. So right now, was it kind of that, like, people aren't going to care what my questions are? Was, was that kind of the conversation you're having with? yourself before so you didn't ask the questions versus now you're going yeah i guess i I guess i've grown up okay you know uh i'm 65 and i guess i've grown up because of my cancer and like hey 
you know, start talking, start communicating. It's not that I never wanted to communicate. I was like. Was there like a in, fear or something? Yeah, like inter- interject more. You know, you got a bunch of coaches, you know, pole vault coaches talking. And before I would like, okay, what's your thought, Coach Hesley? I think that's a good idea. You know, shut and done. Well, now I'll probably talk their ears off. You know, it's like, yeah, I have something important to say. I have something important to say. And I'm going to say it if they don't like it or not. I'm not going to be a jerk about it. I just feel that I, I'm important in this world. Yeah. I'm important. My mind, past years are kind of telling me like, eh, just stay back in the corner. Don't say it. Just put tape over your mouth. Don't even talk. Well, darn it! I'm going to say stuff now. So is that? I, I think we I might we might have nailed it. So is that the the biggest change was before you didn't feel like you were important in the world, and now you? I've always shone. Like I don't important. know why it is, and maybe it goes back to my childhood. I always had a low, low self esteem of myself. I was not good enough, you know. And boy, my wife has helped me out so much with. You are important. You are a good dad. You are a good father. And I still struggle with that today. And, you know, one of my kids has the same thing. He's, you know, he talks negative about himself. No, don't do that. You know, don't, you know, did I carry that gene to that son? And, you know, now he, I mean, I just, I struggle with it because I want, don't want him to get like I was. Yeah. Uh, the beautiful part of that, though, is look where you are now. I know. And so that's always an option, too. Yep. And I think we talked about this when we were in Northfield, that like even if it is general, and, and I don't, the, the, the very first podcast I did, he was talking about how these things can be passed through DNA, but also through learning the patterns from your parents, because that's where yep. we learn most of our patterns. Yep. But by you having the awareness now, like in your 60s, he might get it in his 30s mm-hmm. and then yeah. it might just get squandered out where that doesn't even exist down down the road but yeah. you started that you know cuz and i don't know your your parents background but i don't know if they had that at all but you where you are right now you have that um awareness to make that change and you created a new snowball in motion which is a beautiful thing you know i think about did i waste a lot of life that I was quiet and reserved and didn't really say much, you know, because those years went by fast. Here I'm 65 and starting to open up and talk to people. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, I don't know. It's it's like, what it, what was wrong with me back then? Was there anything wrong? I was just a quiet person. You know, I Were always you? Was, huh? Were you? I think I was quiet verbally but in my head i was non-stop thinking i wanted to get it out that's that's what i'm trying to get to. i wanted to get it out sean but it wouldn't come out well that's what i'm trying to get to is yeah i don't think you were a quiet person i just think you were you your behavior was quiet yes i think you are who you are now yeah and like what we talked about at the beginning of this podcast you had this barrier yes this bullshit barrier that wasn't yep. allowing you to do this and now that it's not there you're more authentic and you're more who yep. who you I don't, I don't like the word meant to be, but who you truly are. Yeah. And you're able to express that to more people. And because of that, like it looks like from what you've told me and what I've seen mm. is life's way more colorful and beautiful for you than 
than it was it is. before that. Yeah, a lot of black and white back in the day. <laughs> now I'm starting to, you know, dot to dot with the colors. And, uh, you know, I just, but what I think about it, I hope I didn't display that back in my teaching and coaching days. I, I, I hope people didn't see me as a negative person, uh, you know, because that can kind of carry over. You know, people can see that, you know, you kind of like, I, I, I didn't want to, kind of be a pretend person yeah. like you know oh you know things are okay and then you know you know you're just kind of a mess when you drive away i i just hope people i that's one regret i have how did people see me 30 years ago and how do they see me now you know that's a hard one because yeah. you can't control how other people see you ever, i know like no matter what but yeah. the, what what i do know is that the the fact who you, who you are now the, I, I guess is there a way to change the regret to gratitude like look i could still be that person that's yeah excellent yeah right? that's that's right i could still be that person that never talked and now i can't shut up <laughs> Can I, can I do two more questions? You can do as many as All you right. want. Let's go. Let's, let's do that number five. Okay. I wish that I had let myself be happier. Are you able to do that now after? Yeah, when I think about it back then, I mean, I think I was happy, but I wasn't really happy because I, not that I was a fake person, but I just didn't live life like I should. I, I you know, I held back. You know, I had a, uh, one of my class reunions, one of my best friends came up to me and he goes, Hayes, he said, you had so many girls that liked you, but they said they didn't know how to approach you. I go, what? And I said, what do you mean by that? And so I must have had that image that I didn't want to talk. I was kind of in a, in a shell. You know, and I thought, man, that that hit me really hard. People saw me as they didn't want to get to know me. Well, did I bring that on myself? So I. It's hard though because there yeah. was. I. It sounds like insecurities and things. Very, there. very much, Sean. And very much too. insecurities. I, I read this quote, and I've been trying to live this way, and it's been terrifying because it makes me vulnerable. But it goes. It started with, if you want people to trust you, trust people. Yeah. And then I, I keep taking that to a whole nother level. If you want people to, to like you, just like people. Yeah. And, and so I've spent a lot of my life going, I want this person to feel this way, but I'm going to stick my arm out so they don't get too close. Yeah. And then and now I'm going, how could I expect them to, to, to get close? To get close when I have my arm, arm out. And so... This is where I think it, for me, it started with, I have to make these changes first, which is yes. terrifying yes. because I, I deal with this all the time, especially with, you know, working other jobs or doing uh, things with Team Hoot. Like I'm very protective of it where I don't let a lot of people in, but it's like, I want, I want it to grow with people yeah. and I want to help grow things too. So I'm going to trust you and I'll give you my trust until like it gets betrayed instead of going, 
you got to earn my trust, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a thing. So it's, it is it's hard trust to trust one. people, you know, it's, and, uh, and that's just trust, but with yeah. love or caring or yes, same with Carrie too. Some in my own wife, where it's like, yep, all right, if we're gonna fight, I'm gonna love you first. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard. They, they always say try to argue with your wife holding hands. <laughs> You know, she'd rip my arm off. <laughs> She's pretty strong. Put you in a headlock. Yeah. No, when you talk about that, I think I had two arms out. Yeah. Then I got a little bit better. One arm. Bring yeah. it on. Let's do it. Bring it on. Bring in the hug. Yeah. Buddy, right? Bring in the hug and bring it on. Yeah. yeah. Um. So the la- last question I want to ask you. I, first, I got. I want to thank you for doing this. Oh, with this me. is I know, awesome. I know you're a little nervous coming in oh, here. That, you know, it's. I get nervous doing everyone too. Do you really? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Because I the. When, when I make videos, I have a script. I, okay. I map it out, and it takes like three to five hours just to like create the script oh, and well. get it down. And with these, I go, I have like three questions. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to fill 90 minutes, so we'll see if we can do it. And I always do somehow because uh, I'm like you. I'm just curious about people yeah. and your experience too. But um, my last question I ask all my, my podcast uh, guests, if, if you had a magic wand – what would you either change about mental health or help somebody with, or people with their mental health? What would you change if you had a wand to do absolutely anything? I guess uh, magic wand to somebody is, is don't be afraid to talk about yourself. Open up, open up, open up the best you can. So Maybe, you'd use your wand to get rid of the barrier. Get rid of the okay. barrier, yeah. Open up. Get rid of it. Start talking. Start communicating. Because it's, you know, like we talked, I had barriers, you know. Maybe I still have a few that I have to push off. But, yeah, open up. Don't hold stuff inside. Because, so, oh, I've known people that just hold it inside. And all of a sudden, they're just, they're explosion, you know. And I was like that, too. You know, I'd hold stuff inside and get angry and depressed and, no, let let things out. Yeah. I think that's I don't know it's if like let it flow. Yeah, I don't know uh how my wand did on that answer, but I think it's important to communicate. Well, I to me it sounds perfect. You're you're just going to help people yeah, communicate be more open to each yeah. other and get rid of the things that are preventing them from doing that. Yeah. I think it's a beautiful thing to do with a wand. You know, uh it's just amazing nowadays when I'm out for a walk, I'll, hey, John, how you doing? You know? And John, how's it, you know, before it was just like, you know, how you doing? Good. And then leave. <laughs> John, how you doing? How's it going? You know, I try to interject more. You know, some people don't want to answer you, but I did my part. Go to the next person. Just throwing good into the world. Try to. Yeah. Try to. Coach, you know. got anything else? You want to say it? Uh, well, about? like I've told you before, and I'll say this again, I don't care what you say, is you have a gift. You have a gift to help people. You've been put on this earth to help people. Like right now, you have no idea how this has helped me. I vented. <laughs> I've opened up my chest and I vented all my thoughts. Yeah. I never would have done that before. Yeah. You have a gift. I don't know. You're probably going to get the Nobel Peace Prize someday for <laughs> learning how mental health. But no. I guess what they say is you have to go to hell. Get you're in hell before you go to heaven. Uh, 
you you are knowledgeable, intellectual. You're you're a phenomenal person. Don't ever think of yourself like this is a job because this is. I mean, I couldn't do this. I couldn't interview anybody. Oh, we're just having a conversation. I know, here. I know. But you've <laughs> yeah. you've got you've got you know. When I listen to you, you know, sometimes things go over the top of my head what you say, but you have a gift and you are now bringing that gift to the forefront and helping people out. And I thank you for that. I really do. I I, I love you as a person. You're a great guy. I don't want to get emotional because I don't know if we have enough Kleenex. <laughs> but uh, keep keep doing what you're doing, man. Just keep going. Because people need help. We all need help. Yeah. You know, uh, there's a lot of people that just won't open up. And why, why are there suicides? Why are there people killing themselves? You know, when you hear about that. Well, did they have a chance to open up to somebody? Yeah. You well, know? Well, that, that's... A- that's that's important because yeah. most of those people feel super alone. And as we've kind of discussed in this podcast, yeah. that with my experience talking to a group yeah. of other people with depression, you're like, oh, that's all I that yeah. that released a lot of stress and tension. There's other things going on, but man, yeah. that was incredibly helpful. Like Leon Russell said, do you ever something. know who Leon Russell was? He's a fam- so. famous piano person. No. He played piano for George Harrison. Okay, he'd say in a, one of his lyrics in his song, he's a stranger in a strange land. Don't be a stranger. Don't. Don't be a stranger in a strange land. I don't know. I just always thought of that. You know, like uh, uh, there's another, I uh, can't remember if it's Tom Petty or the Beatles, about uh, being a loser. You're not, nobody's a loser, you know. Don't... Uh, don't think about that. Just I in the second podcast we did. Um, the lady goes, everyone's a weirdo, and, or everyone's normal until you get to know them. <laughs> True. And then, and then that was like made my brain click in a way. Like, yeah. Oh, we're all weird. We're all strange. Really? We all think we're super strange. No. And that's where we're all normal. Yeah. Like, in our weirdness. There you go, Coach. I love you, man. Love you uh, too, Sean. Thanks. For Thanks doing man. This. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you guys would like to support what I'm doing, head over to onewholelifemedia.com and grab a shirt. Um, and if you want anything else, <laughs> let me know. Uh, 10% of everything that is purchased over at One Whole Life Media is donated to mental health uh, programs and to support mental health. So, yeah. Uh, thanks for watching. I'll see you guys in the next one.